Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's that special time once again for the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. And it will be airing live momentarily. This is that place to ask those special questions about PCs, technologies, with your computer, iPhone, and those smart devices designed to work at home and in the office that's supposed to make life easier. We welcome your questions tonight. And please help me welcome the CEO and founder of the Jaymore Connection, Inc., and the star of tonight's show, Mr. John C. Morley. Check us out more at jmor.com. need to apologize to you because we're not in our home studio. We are traveling. We're not in the state of New Jersey, but we will be back there uh, when we have our show next year. It'll actually be our first show. We will no longer be on the air on Monday nights for the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show starting next year, which is just a few days away, actually. One, two, three, four, five, six, uh, less than seven days away, six days away. Uh, we will be uh, in the new year. And every Thursday at 9 p.m. to 10 p.m., the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show will air. That will be on Thursday nights. Again, we heard a lot of you complaining about being in the way of Monday Night Football. And again, uh, we know a lot of the people that uh, like to watch football, like to do technology. But I understand that football was just ranking just a little bit higher, and I understand that. So, um we're going to go ahead and put it on Thursday nights at 9 p.m. starting with December, excuse me, January 5th at 9 p.m. from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. So a little bit earlier there. And if you watch uh, football on Thursday night, um, I was told Monday is more the diehard football people and the people that watch on Thursday nights, well, they can kind of pry themselves away for a little bit. Usually the games on Monday night are a lot more um, earth-shattering and a lot more intense. Hopefully that's the case, and I hope that we will see you uh, next year starting January 5th at 9 p.m. So tonight, I hope everyone had a celebrated Christmas. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas if you did celebrate Christmas. Hope your holidays were well if you traveled. Hope you had uh, safe travels, and uh, wherever you are, if you're not at home, I hope the weather is actually good where you are. So what are we going to talk about in our final episode for the year, our final episode at 11 p.m. at night um, on a Monday night? Again, keep in mind, we will be on the air Thursdays starting January 5th, and we'll be on every single Thursday from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. And actually, uh, January 5th starts episode two. We are on our 50th episode since we started uh, the Jay Moore Tech Talk show uh, last January, and we'll be on episode, excuse me, season um, season two, episode one, okay? And you can always listen to our uh, information online if you uh, missed any of our shows. Uh, we're also going to have a great show when it comes time to uh, football and uh, more about technology there, but I don't want to give away a lot of our uh, great secrets for 2017. We have a lot of great stuff planned. So we're talking about technology and we're talking about the holidays. You know, we've been doing a lot of talk about holidays and technology and, you know, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. And I think what I want to do is just kind of recap a little bit because I know we're still getting questions about, you know, technology gifts. Uh, What are your feelings about them? You know, what did you get for the holidays? And kind of my two cents on that. 
So um, a lot of the gifts that you're starting to see around and you, you, you may have received or maybe you gifted to someone else, um, one of the real popular ones that, that's been around for, for, for a while is, has been the, um, the Quiet Comfort uh, wireless headphones. So there are headphones that you can get that actually use Bluetooth technology. And if you have a, uh, a cell phone or anything like that, especially the new uh, iPhone 7 that I got just a few months ago, what you're going to notice is that with the iPhone 7, um, there is no more headphone jack. Thankfully, uh, thank you very much, Apple, for including a complimentary cable that we can plug into the lightning port, which actually converts to a little small cable, converts it to a one-eighth inch headphone jack, so we can still use the traditional headphones if we had that. So the types of headphones that we have, so the Bluetooth, um, basically the Bluetooth um, range is a question that always seems to come up when we're talking about headphones, okay? So a Bluetooth range is roughly... Uh, it roughly is about 100 meters or 320, uh, 328 feet. So, um, so it transmits about 100 milliwatts, which is uh, the standard, at about, 100, at about 100 meters or 328 feet. It's comparable to an 802.11b WLAN uh, wireless LAN device, which was quite a few years ago. It's actually a class one device. And it's most common because it's used in uh, places where power is very plentiful, such as laptops and desktop systems. You'll have Bluetooth on things like a headphone. You'll have it on some microphones. You'll have it on some gaming uh, headphones. If you want. You'll have it on some keyboards, okay, that's using Bluetooth technology. And a lot of the devices that were built in the last, uh, let's say the last four years and up, had Bluetooth capability built on board especially your laptops, but the PCs, probably in the last two to three years, we started to see that. So the question that's probably coming to your mind is, okay, so what are the different types of connectivity options for, for, um, for let's say, for like wireless headsets, okay? And um, that's a very good question because you have Bluetooth as one option. We talked about the cable, okay? That's one way you could just plug it right into your one-eighth-inch headphone jack, right? That's, that's one thing you could do. Another connectivity option is actually something called RF, uh, radio frequency headphones, okay? Um, RF is nice because the thing about RF is the range is better, okay? Now, RF headphones are going to be a lot more... Uh, money in some cases, but you see, the thing is, most Bluetooth headsets today are actually going to run with a Class 2 Bluetooth, which provides a range of actually up to 33 feet, okay? So this is important to note. The Bluetooth technology um, actually runs on a 2.4 gigahertz RF, so most uh, Bluetooth headsets run with a Class 2, which provides up to 33 feet. Now, there's a couple of Class 1 Bluetooths that have a range of 300 feet. Now, Bluetooth headsets, they're generally small, and they're worn on the, they're worn on the ear. Uh, but again, some of these other devices I talked to you about, like the 2.4 RF, um, they are giving you um, a little bit different range. So again, it's called an RF, if, if you're looking for it, it's an RF 2.4 gigahertz uh, range. The thing about the 2.4 gigahertz range is that you need to make sure you're using a 
Uh, let's say you have a um, cordless phone in your home or office. You need to make sure that that phone is a 5 gigahertz or higher because the reason is that if you don't, the uh, you don't want it to be 900 because that's going to interfere with some of your wireless. And 2.4 is actually going to interfere um, with some of your wireless. So that's really important because there's a band on the wireless. I'm not going to get into that on your routers. They have a 2.4 band and a 5 gigahertz band. The 2.4 was the older band. But there could be communication issues if you're trying to use one of those uh, older 900s or you're trying to use certain um, cordless phones. So the new cordless phones, this is something that's important, the new cordless phones actually use something called broad uh, spectrum. And broad spectrum is actually the new standard. It, it's been around for um, a while, but if you have the broad spectrum, they call 5.8 gigahertz, right? and the 5.8 gigahertz broad spectrum actually will, they call it the digital spread spectrum signal, and that will not interfere, okay, with the 5 gigahertz signal that actually happens with most routers, Netgear, um, uh, so the, the Cisco product uh, that you can get for home, as well as um, Asus makes one as well. So, because they're going to operate at, um, at a different range of the spectrum, even though it's in the same, uh, let's say, the same class of it, it's going in the same frequency. It's going to be operating a lot uh, further away from where your actual um, wireless device operates. So, let's say you've got 5 gigahertz and the phone operates at 5.8. It's still going to be quite a bit away from where it is. Um, and, again, just something to talk about. But when we're talking about other types of connectivity for the PC, so we have the RF. I told you about that. Uh, the RF, again, the RF, uh, you have the RF uh, headphone, and again, it's called the RF headphone range. And the RF headphone range, like I said, it, it really just depends on which one you're buying. Generally, when you're spending more money for these different devices, you're going to find that they're going to operate a lot further. For example, if you were to buy one that was a, a regular uh, wireless device, you're going to find that the range on it is not going to be too close to your phone. Uh, you, you know, it, it, you have to be close. It's not going to be too far is what I mean to say. If you were going to get something, for example, uh, and use it for your phone, the thing you have to realize about Bluetooth, and Bluetooth is great, don't get me wrong, but Bluetooth uses a lot of power from your device. Now, a laptop, who really cares, right? Because 99% of the time, um, if we're somewhere and we're not mobile but we're plugged in somewhere a land location or we're on a plane we have it plugged in right and we're able to use its full benefits and not have to drain the power when we're using our phone we're usually not connected to our power source when we're using our phone and the bluetooth actually will drain the power off of our device pretty quickly so rf as i was talking to you before rf is actually stands for radio frequency um, it's an alternating current, and um, it can be used to input to antennas, uh, the EMF, electromagnetic field, and it can be used for wireless broadcasting or communication, and they call it the RF field or the radio wave. These tend to be the most expensive. They are really good on sound quality, especially if you're talking like um, stereo. I mean, they're just like really great. There is one downfall about them. The RF signals, some RFs do tend to get in the way of 900, and they also tend to get in the range of some of the lower frequencies for people that are using, uh, let's say they're using not wireless 
um, laptops, that's going to be fine in the five years. It's going to be a problem when we get into the two-point range because a lot of your devices, for example, some people use phones at home that are actually tied into their, their network, and it's, they're tied into your Wi-Fi. Well, you can't use the two-point four gigahertz because it's going to kind of keep flipping around, and that's going to be an issue. Now, there's obviously ways to mitigate this, especially in like commercial networks. We can set up the network so that when certain signals, uh, we have something called collisions, uh, collision, um, this collision detection and collision avoidance. So collision detection, um, you, you, you might have heard of this before. I'm going to try to not make this a technical show. Uh, but CCD, or we call collision, um, collision avoidance, has been around in the 802 standard uh, for quite a while. It was called CCD. Uh, collision avoidance system, and then we also had uh, collisions avoidance and then collisions detection. So collision avoidance detection uh, has been around for quite a while, and you might have heard of it. Um, the If you were studying, like, like I said, it actually stands for carrier sense mobile axis with collisions avoidance, and then we had carrier sense mobile axis with collision detection. So let's talk about the two of them. Okay, so... CSMACA, okay, uh, basically here's how it works. Prior to transmitting any type of information, the node is actually going to listen for the first shared medium, and then when it listens to the wireless signal in the wireless network, it's to determine whether that node is transmitting or not. Pretty simple. That's how the carrier sense works. Now, collision avoidance is if another node was heard, okay, uh, it's going to wait for a certain period of time, Usually it's a random amount of time, but it's an algorithm uh, for that node to stop transmitting before it's going to listen again. So let's talk about it. So carrier sense is going to be prior to transmitting, the node is going to listen to the shared medium and, and basically see if there's a wireless signal. If it's there, it's going to go ahead and uh, if, if first of all, it's going to listen. If it doesn't hear anything, it's going to do a going to go ahead and um, see if another node was heard. If it's not heard for a period of time, then it's going to go ahead and it's going to try to transmit. So without getting all the particulars such as the RTS, RTS and CTS signals, um, they can be used. Now, there's also something called, that's collision, uh, carrier sense, um, CSMA with CA. Carrier sense mobile access with collision avoidance. Now, uh, we also have carrier sense mobile access with, uh, with collision detection, a little bit different. So here's how this one works. It's, it's a little bit, little bit different. Um, because this one has something called a jam in it, a jam signal. So the way the collision uh, detection procedure works, it's, it's used to resolve a detected collision. So basically what will happen is the procedure is going to wait a certain period of time, okay, and then it's going to back off, okay, and then it's going to go back on again with the intent, and if there's a problem, it's going to go ahead and jump, it's going to jump back off. So when you have this type of um, the collision detection, it's going to keep, it's going to monitor, and then it's going to hop off. Again, it has a period of time. So it can get jamming. If it gets any kind of jamming, then it's just going to go by, and it's going to wait a certain period of time and then come back on. So CS, CSMA, or Carrier Assistance Mobile Access with Collision Detection, um, the computer or, or the station is going to check if another station is transmitting. If not, it's going to send a bit. If it doesn't have a collision, it's going to continue to send other bits. Okay, while continually checking the collision has been detected. If collision's not there, it will calculate a random amount of time to wait and start proxying again at the maximum amount of attempts to reach. 
um, and then no transmission would be possible, or it'll be aborted. Those are the way it works. So, really simple. It's the CSMACD, Countersense Mobile Access Collision Detection, um, uh, if you want to say um, uh, process, if you will, or algorithm. So the computer's going to check if another station is transmitting some data. If not, it's going to send the first bit of information. If there is no collision is detected, it will continue to send other bits of information while at the same time simultaneously checking, okay, if there's a collision. If a collision has been detected, okay, it will cause a random amount of time to wait and start the process again. If the time, um, the amount of attempts is reached and there's no transmission as possible, it will just totally be aborted. So the, the CSMA CD is a little bit more expensive to implement, um, but it's required in a lot, of, um, a lot of environments, especially some of the larger networks. Now, the CSMA collision avoidance is totally different because the whole way that one works is it, it's different. So the one is going to check if another station is transmitting. If not, it sends the first bit. Now, in the CSMA, a carrier sense mobile access with collision avoidance, it's going to go ahead and first listen. Okay? And then what it does after it listens and no, nobody is transmitting, it's going to go ahead and see if another node was heard. If another node was heard communicating, it's going to stop. And then it's going to wait a random amount of time or whatever the algorithm is programmed to do, and then it will try again for a um, – try again back up and communicate so remember the other one is a little more advanced because not only is it transmitting but it's also simultaneously checking to see if there's a collision data but again it is a lot more costly to implement that so again this is what I was talking about well, and we're getting a little off topic but real why this is important is if you have a um, wireless headset let's say it's using RF which is the 2.4 gigahertz frequency and you also have an older laptop that's using a 2.4 gigahertz uh, frequency and the two of those, and you happen to put that on your, put that uh, headphone on and listen to music, well, what's going to happen is you're going to notice that your, your wireless is going to drop out unless you have the CSMA um, CD uh, in place and you have many other channels that it can actually back off. And I'm not going to get into the whole thing about wireless. That's not what tonight's show is about. But I just want to explain to you how that works. So the most important thing is Bluetooth is great, but Bluetooth um, – it does take some time. Now, I know what you're probably going to ask me is, John, you know, where did the name Bluetooth come from? You know, and that's a very good question. Uh, it actually comes from a guy. His name was Harold Bluetooth. Uh, he was the king of Denmark, and he was renowned for his ability to help people communicate. Most notably, uh, he united Denmark and Norway. So Bluetooth is a technology that actually unifies different types of electronic equipment from various manufacturers enabling them to communicate with each other without the use of wires. So think of our, our uh, environment, our air is actually like our Ethernet, okay? But it's wireless, so it's just happening through the air. Now, in the mobile market, Bluetooth wireless technology will connect our phones to our headsets, as I was telling to you, can connect to a headset that has a speaker in it, uh, a, Stereo uh, earphone speakers. Uh, it also can have a microphone in it, so you can use it to make calls and talk to people. And um, there's a lot of manufacturers out there, but again, it's a standard. It's very easy to use. But the thing I have to explain to you about is that Bluetooth does use a lot of power right now. That's the one bad thing about it. It runs at the 2.4 gigahertz, the RF. So if you buy um, 
let's say you were to buy one of those uh, RF devices, like I was mentioned to you before, and one of the, 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 the best ones is, is Sennheiser. Well, even Sennheiser's top-of-the-line unit that uses RF is still going to have issues if your network doesn't know how to properly mitigate and jump off signals um, if, uh, if something's in use. So Bluetooth uses Class 2. It provides about 33 feet, generally the RF that you're going to be seeing, except for the Class 1, which I mentioned before, has a range of 300 feet. So Bluetooth is generally small. It can be worn on the ear. Uh, sometimes you'll have Bluetooth for, like, speakers, like you have an iPhone or another device, and you want to put a speaker. You can connect the Bluetooth. They even have Bluetooth now where you can buy one of these speakers, uh, pretty, they call them, like, jumbo-sized speakers, and they're pretty large, uh, almost as big as a, a pretty large suit, maybe even bigger than a large suitcase. And they're real big, like these big subwoofers you'd probably see. And they're Bluetooth-connectable to your computer or to your iPhone. And now with your iPhone and this device, you're off to the races and you can control the party and you can have a, a great old time. And these things are only a couple hundred bucks. And what makes them so powerful is the way that we can use blue technolo technology to actually connect to them, manage them, and, and whatnot. Uh, they're extremely reliable. However, they do tend to drain um, our, uh, our cell phone device very, very easily and quickly. So there's uh, other things I want to talk to you about there. So um, there's things like the, the Bluetooth 1 I told you about. Uh, they have the Class 2, uh, which are typically, for your cell phone, it has a 33-foot range. Class 1 uh, with your office so for a 200-foot, 200, 300-foot range. Other RF devices run on frequencies such as the 900 megahertz, the 3.2 gigahertz, uh, and one of the most popular is the 2.4. So my recommendation is if you're buying one of these devices and you know you have a network that has a 2.4 and it has a 5 gigahertz, and maybe you're using TVs for the 2 point, or you're using bulk bands, make sure that whatever RF device you use, if you're buying an RF device, because they tend to have a little better quality and sound it is than using a typical Bluetooth. Bluetooth's great for that short range, but they're just, they don't have the same quality and sound as the RFs do. I mean, that's going to probably change in time. And um, the RF devices, so make sure that, you know, for example, nobody should have a 900 megahertz phone. I mean, that's like ages ago. Um, if you have a 2.4 gigahertz phone, okay, get rid of it, okay? You can pick yourself up these phones. We're not talking a lot of money. Uh, you can get like a pair of them for like a hundred bucks. You can get like five of them where you get like a base station and like four or five other little phones you can connect to it. And you're talking like 179. So very, very reasonable at your local retailer. And uh, they work really well. They even have the ability now to have a, uh, a wireless phone system that you can have in your home where you can have your base station. It can check messages and you can have other phones around. It does intercoming just like they did before. But the nice thing is this, this, uh, this model that only came out not too long ago, maybe, maybe about a year or so, a little more, it actually allows you to link one or two cell phones. So now your cell phone signal can be linked. Actually, the Bluetooth of your phone can be linked to your land phone. Now, it doesn't mean that you're using um, your land line to actually talk to your cell phone. That's not what it means. It just means that it's taking your cell phone connection, 
So if a call rings on your cell phone, it's going to be basically married or connected to your home phone system, which is cordless, through the Bluetooth connection, okay? Keep in mind, these do drain the battery. I mean, they're not going to drain like, you know, like in five minutes, but you're going to get, you're going to get, uh, you're probably going to get several hours out of them. Uh, there was one device that I actually did some research on, and I was kind of happy with it because uh, they had a claim. And the claim was that the device would run for 40 hours on one charge. And I got to tell you, it actually did work uh, even a little more than 40 hours. But the one thing they didn't tell you is that your phone really gets drained on power. Now, I don't know about you, but I tend to charge my iPhone all the time. Um, when I get home, um, when I'm traveling, I always have a Bluetooth, excuse me, a um, one of these cables, which is the lightning cables. So I have one in my car, I have them at home, and I'm always constantly uh, plugging it in, like at the end of the day, if I know I'm going to use it for a while, especially when you go in your car and you have a car similar to mine where you have the Bluetooth connected system where it talks to your phone and all that, right? And it links your address book in. Well, that actually uses a tremendous amount of phone power to do that. So it's always best to plug it into your uh, your charger. Now, I'm not a big fan of these mobile chargers. I know they said they're okay. I'm just not a fan. Being an engineer, I just don't like the way they're made. I much uh, more prefer the lightning connectors. And the one thing I want to tell you, though, and this is something that probably most people aren't going to tell you, when you use these connectors, you've got to be really careful that you don't yank it by the cord. You want to take your thumb and index finger and hold this lizard if yours is white, and you're going to hold it on each side, and you're going to pull that out very gently. If you just pull by the wire, what's going to happen is the wire is literally going to separate, and you're going to be buying a new Apple cable. I'll also tell you that you don't want to go online and go buy these cables like you might see them at some of the mass retailers or see them in some places. Uh, either online or major superstores, they say, gee, you know, we have, um, you know, Apple cable for your Apple phone. Great. You think it's great. It's actually not made by Apple, and maybe they say theirs is only $4.99. Well, that's about what you get is $4.99. The installation is not the same in the wire, and the construction is not the same. So when you actually go to use it, you've got to be extra careful with them. Um, I had used one, and i got to tell you, I returned it after a week or two, and I'm really careful with my iPhone one. Uh, that I got from Apple, but this one I was being so careful with, it didn't even have a strong plastic coating over the wire. It was very flimsy, okay? So I know we're getting a little, a little off topic there, but uh, I think it's important. Again, tonight we're talking about technology, and we're talking about some of the things I think that will probably be of interest to you, especially with some of those gifts that you may have received over the holiday. So when we're talking about technology, a lot of things that you're going to start to see is things going through the connection of Bluetooth. Now, another device that's out there, um, Google Home came out with a device. Uh, basically, it's a stylish Google Home smart speaker. It's this new thing. It could be a fad. But basically, what it is is it's, it's a, um, a device where when you say, okay, Google, and you ask it a question, it goes online and it has access to their voice. Uh, let's say it's a database of the Internet, um, and they have a voice uh, repository that when you speak certain commands, it actually does a search, and then the system actually converts the search and parses it back and gives you the answer. So Google's been working on that for a while. So what you're it's actually it's like somebody typing on a keyboard. That's actually what you're doing. You're actually kind of typing something into Google's system, 
then Google's system is actually processing it and then just reading it back to you. If it's something like a sound, then Google goes ahead and actually plays you the sound. Um, so that's been something interesting. I don't know how well it's going to last. Uh, the thing about it is the, is the, uh, the Google Home app. Uh, it's, it's called Google Home. And I know the big question that you probably have, um, is, is, there a, is there a monthly fee for, for Google Home? And, you know, that's actually a really good question. Um, but uh, so the Google, the Google Home, um, uh, the, the Google Home product, okay, you can get, like I said, you can get it all over the place. But the question that you probably have in your head is, you know, do you pay a fee uh, for it? And, um, well, you can, you, can, uh, you can buy one of these devices, uh, like I told you, from a lot of different places. And um, it, it's, it's, an, it's basically an online service that's offered. And the one thing I got to tell you about it is they make it extremely hard uh, to get the idea of, of the costs across. And I think they do this on purpose. It's usually, I call it an, a, a type of scam. But at the very least, the company is, is not being very upfront about the costs. So uh, what I wanted to share with you is really what does it cost? So Google actually has a system in place, uh, Google App Standard Edition, okay? And you can have – basically you can buy these different services – but the way the Google App Team Edition works is you get 100 gigabytes to use across as many sites as you want. But again, they're making it – how do I explain this? The, the, the way to, – to give you like a straight, you know, about what it costs, um, it winds up costing roughly about $50 per user per year. So – Again, and now keep in mind, Google is charging you for the amount of data that you're actually using. So it's really not just the 129, okay? So if you want to ask a question like, you know, how much is, is Google Home costing per month, you're going to get thrown all over the place. Um, it's a search giant. It's really great. But the thing is that it's actually going to start charging you based on the amount of information that you use. And see, that's the problem. Um, when we talk about um, Amazon Echo has a similar type product for their, for their service. Um, they're saying that it's going to cost – they're roughly saying, um, you know, it's fifty dollars less than than the Echo because they're saying it costs one twenty nine. Um, but the one thing that you're going to find out is that no matter what site you go on for Google and you try to find out, uh, you know, how much is it really going to cost? Well, the purchase of the Google Assistant—that's um, really what they call it—and um, I mean, it really seems like a great little product. The problem is the actual amount you're being charged is really determined on how much data you're pulling back and forth. 
So if you're having it read something to you or do something more than small, you, you could have yourself a three or $400 bill a month easily. And Google, unfortunately, is not really being upfront about uh, how much it costs. So the it's called the Google Assistant, the Google Home Assistant um, is probably what you're going to see it under. And the reason I think they're doing it, again, they're giving you that six-month trial period, but it, it, it's going to confuse people because now they're going to think that it's only 129 and this is really, it really should be illegal because it's really not 129 It's based on how much of Google services that you actually use. I don't know about you, but I, I just think that's, uh, that's bad. Um, and there's not really a number you can call. Um, it, 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 it just, it just seems to be very, uh, very I mean, I, I wish they would be upfront about, you know, what it costs, uh, you know, what the real costs are, because I see a lot of people that are getting this for the holidays, and they're thinking that all they're going to be paying for is this one-time fee. But unfortunately, um, you know, it says it says, um, it says that there's it, on some sites it says there's no fee. Okay, but the, the Google Home um, da, um, is not, it's not free after the first six months. Uh, now, Google could change this, obviously, from time to time, um, but uh, it's pretty easy to use. You take it out of the box, um, you know, you basically go through the, the steps, you, you, you put in the, uh, the, the six-digit code, and uh, pretty much you're off to the races. Uh, so the, the com competition comes as you know, one the product better than Alexa. Well, Google announced uh, the Am uh, Google announced its Amazon Echo, a competitor back at its uh, I/O developer conference in May. Now the Google Home official uh, came out again, a new type of product. Uh, it can play music, it can play songs based on context, it can do multi-room audio, it can act as an audio receiver for Chromecast, um, throw images and audio and video to your television via Chromecast, customizable hardware, but the question still comes, no matter where you go on their page and no matter where you log in, Google's, um, you know, Google's product, which is the uh, Google Home service, it's it's not free, uh, but again, it does come uh, with some great little um, with a great six-month trial, and um, you know, uh, it, it's not it's not terribly expensive, but I just think they should have been a lot more upfront with you know how much it costs. Um, it, it's called Google's Google's um, Home Service, and. Um, that, that's probably the only thing I think that's maybe going to get some people uh, annoyed. Um, I know that with the Amazon account, you have to have the uh, Prime account. It's not available unless you're a Prime customer. Just like we talked before, that Amazon has these buttons you can order. But you can't actually order these 499 buttons, which actually they will refund you back 
you know, it catches that you have to be a Prime member. And Brian's with us, uh, actually. Uh, the rest of our team is actually not with us at our mobile studio. So Brian's giving me that look that it's time to go to a commercial. So you stay right where you are because we'll be right back after this short break. For IT services and data destruction, the J. Moore Connection should be your direction. Engineer technology to grow your business. Our custom solutions are at your service. JMOR should be your direction. The J. Moore Connection. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, you have reached the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. We are at episode 50, our last episode for 2016, and we'll be starting next year on Thursday, January 5th, Thursday at 9 p.m. Be sure to tell all your friends, colleagues, and associates that we've listened to your feedback and we've moved our show per your request. And also because we've got lots of requests telling us that people like to watch Monday Night Football, so we don't want to get in the way of Monday Night Football, so we're very easily just moving ourselves to Thursday. We did not want to do it in the middle of the year. A lot of stuff was happening, and we want to make sure everyone was aware that we were actually moving to Thursday nights. We thought that if we just did that, even we were going to do it around Thanksgiving time, but we thought people would get confused and not know when to listen to us. So we are doing it with the start of the year, with the start of the brand new episode, episode two, um, and that will actually be season two and episode one that we'll be doing that with. So we've been talking a lot about these technology products, and the question is, is there a monthly cost for the Google uh, OK, Google OK product, uh, or the Google? It's called the Google. Um, um, uh, the, the the Google the Google Voice uh, or the Google um, um, you know for, for for this for the Google um, it, it, it's called it's called the Google um, uh, the the Google Home product is what it's called the Google Home uh, for for the Google for the Google Home um, service and you know. You have to realize that no matter whatever you activate on this service, it's actually going to cause you to use your service more because you're not going to have to type for things. And if they start charging more for storage, like a lot of these uh, sub-providers were doing, uh, you're going to find that this is going to use your bandwidth up pretty quickly. At home, you don't really have to worry about that. Um, but the costs on this um, – it, it just doesn't seem like they're really explaining um, everything about it. Uh, it's actually a Bluetooth-powered Bluetooth, uh, speaker, um, and it's going to work with the Nest thermostat, SmartThings, Philips, IFT, uh, IFTTT. Uh, it's going to act as the Chromecast. It's going to stream. It's going to control other Google uh, casting devices. It can ask you, you can ask it for YouTube videos and music. So what's going to happen is that if it can talk to a lot of your other devices and you ask it to do things, this is how it does things, like change your temperature, because it's going to be connected. Um, 
you can tell it to play something for you. So it's called the voice assistant. Um, the voice assistant is actually what the service is because when you actually get the product, uh, what you're going to find is you're going to have to have, um, they call it Google's voice assistant uh, service. And I think this is where, where the problem comes in. Um, they, they, just, they just don't seem to explain. Uh, it's actually, it's called the home assistant. Um, and no matter what page I look, to look at, they, they don't really break it down uh, very well. But it's starting to give Alexa a um, little run for its money. And, um, you know, they, they did seem to put it in a very nice uh, package price. But I am leery of a couple things, ladies and gentlemen. The first thing I'm leery about is what are they going to charge us after the six months? Because it says you have a six-month trial. Uh, so there is a, uh, there is a uh, six-month six trial, okay, uh, with every Google Home with every Google Home um, service. And I don't know. I, I My other big concern about this device, anytime, just like I had the problem with Microsoft, anytime you say certain things, these things can be stored on a network, and then, you know, these, this information can be used. So I'm not crazy about that. But I spent a lot of time on that one, so we'll just kind of jump over so portable uh, photo printers have been pretty popular, and they've been popping up for a price tag of under 100, 140 bucks, usually 130, 130 bucks. Uh, the Amazon Fire um, HD8 tablet is kind of getting a little bit of speed, just because they they tried to get this back because they're starting at only 90 bucks. Lightweight, great for somebody who wants to, you know, maybe uh, read books. Remember, the Amazon Fire is very similar to the Kindle, so that's just Amazon's version, kind of. And you can own a tablet very inexpensively. Um, it's limited to what you can do. It, there is browsing, there is certain things, but it doesn't have all the ability that other devices, like other tablets, would have. Uh, Skull Candy has been pretty popular this year with the wireless earbuds, and um, they actually came up with one of their cheapest products, which is only about forty-seven dollars, which is pretty cheap for Skull Candy. Uh, the Apple Watch Series Two was very, very popular this holiday season. Why I don't know. Um, I made the, the switch a long time ago to actually decide using Apple as my uh, phone, but I can't see spending money and getting an iPhone watch. I mean, yes, you can talk to your watch, and now with the new iPhone 7, you don't even have to say anything. You can just say, hey, and the name, and it can actually get you information without even having to press a button to talk to the phone. But, I mean, I don't know. They say the new watch is a little bit better. Uh, it packs a better display. It's a little more. It's, it's visible even under direct sunlight. Uh, yada yada yada. There's lots of things. But is, is the Apple Watch Series Two really worth 270 bucks, ladies and gentlemen? I think I could find some other great gifts that you could buy for under 270 bucks. 269 actually, to be, to be exact. So the Anki Cosmo uh, has been something that's kind of surfaced, and I know probably some of you have gotten. The, it's a cute little robot uh, with tons of personality. It's a sophisticated artificial uh, intelligence robot. And um, 
the way the robot works is see what we're trying to do with a lot of these uh, things that you're going to start seeing now is the anti cosmo um, is actually the the whole world of basically trying to um, I, I think really what it's trying to do is it's trying to get people to understand uh, more of building emotions into a toy. So it's real. It's a real lifelike robot. Uh, you've like you see in the movies. It's it's one of a kind. It has a personality. Uh, it evolves and talks to you more the more you hang around with it. So how is this possible? Well, we have something called artificial intelligence. So without boring you too much about that, that's an ability for the computer to actually learn and make decisions based on data that it's receiving from the outside world. Uh, input we call that such as things it sees, hears, etc. For example, if it starts to learn your voice or it starts to learn certain things about you, it can make certain assimilations. Um, it requires a free app and the processing power of your compatible mobile phone or tablet taxes the high-level robotic functions that bring Cosmo to life. So remember, it's actually not the robot that's actually coming to life. This is the important thing. The robot doesn't actually have the, the – the data is being fed to another device. So the artificial intelligence is actually not sitting on the robot. It's actually sitting really not even in your app. It's sitting up in the cloud. And all your, dev your device is doing is kind of acting as a bridge to bring that back and forth. But that's how they're able to deliver that product for under $180. Um, it does games. It does lots of great things. And people like it because it seems really cool. And the reason that it is being so cool, ladies and gentlemen, is because it's taking and harnessing the power of the Internet. Something like this would not be $179. I mean, something like this would probably start at around four or $5,000. Because we're talking about an application, um, a robot, okay, that can actually learn certain things. Uh, that can kind of learn from a lot of stuff. So if you say something, it's going to be able to interpret certain things. It's going to be able to understand words, language. Now, there's no way that a little tiny robot would have even the power to process or handle full language like that. It, it's just not possible. I mean, you're talking about something that's really small on the floor. And this robot actually appears to be a lot more like the life robots like you see, like Wally and these other robots in movies. And that's because of this system in the cloud. And the cloud system is actually connecting to your apps. So we'll talk more about this. But as we get into 2017 and we evolve, you're going to notice that a lot of technology is actually moving toward um, the placement of using an app to communicate, to send data, et cetera. And we'll talk more about that. But I want to let you know that the cloud is becoming more of where we're going. There was a company a while back that said one of the largest growers of the Internet is going to be the Internet of Things. Now, that's not computers, okay? That's not tablets. That's things. Uh, those are other devices. Uh, that could be things like your Alexa, your Google um, uh, Home Voice Pro. Uh, that could be stuff like your uh, Honeywell Smart Thermostat. That's the Internet of Things. And they said that, that the Internet of Things is going to grow very, very rapidly. So um, the Phantom Drone, remember I talked to you about some basic drones? Well, they were good, but in order, there were some drones now. Uh, some of them are neat, but this new one that they uh, that seemed to be pretty popular over this Christmas season has been the DJ Phantom 4. 
it actually has a full HD content in slow motion, and it can avoid obstacles and track moving objects. That's pretty neat, okay? And some other key features include maximum control of 3.1 miles and up to 20 minutes of flight time. Because remember something, if the drone gets too, is going to get out of where you're, where you're able to control it, it has to not be able to go further than that, or guess what's going to happen? The drone's going to crash because you're not going to be able to control it. All right, up to 20 minutes of flight time. That might seem like a lot, but really it's not. And that drone now, we're talking for something like this, this is around $1,400, and that's because it has the HD camera and it has the ability to capture at 4K video, okay? That's why you're paying so much more money. You can get other drones out there that don't do 4K video for three to $600, and they still do a pretty nice job. So um, there is the Mass Fidelity Core wireless speaker system. I think I talked to you about other systems like this. So um, there was one they came out with, and it was, it was popular for a lot of people because it's something that's nice and neat and can fit in a small little box, okay? And it's very powerful, it's 600 bucks. Um, it measures six by six, it's basically a cube, six by six by six by four. Uh, it has high fidelity technology. Um, it creates an illusion of two speakers and just a neat little, a neat little device. Uh, but again, it, it's not an inexpensive device. Uh, it has Wi-Fi connectivity to it, which is great, which means that you don't have to connect it through Bluetooth. You can connect it right through Wi-Fi. Uh, it has the ability to do multi-room setup and it also supports Bluetooth. So again, we're getting a choice. Uh, Wi-Fi is going to use less power than probably it's going to probably be more manageable, especially when we're talking other devices. So that's really great. Um, a little pricey for a wireless speaker system. I've seen some other speaker systems, but again, I, I haven't actually got it in person. And the one thing they actually don't tell me is they don't tell me how many watts or how many amps it is. I mean, it's small, but it just seems a little pricey for a Fidelity speaker system. That's just my, that's my opinion. I think there's some other good ones out there. But again, this was the thing that was buzzing around and people were really kind of, uh, you know, uh, flying and flocking to do this because, you know, it was one of those impulse buys. Um, the other one that's been an interesting one is called the Bamboo Notepad. So um, if you ever want to sketch something or take notes, um, you can give them this. It's, it's the Wacom Bamboo Notepad. It's a nifty gadget. It uses regular paper and instantly sends notes or drawings to a user's smartphone or tablet. And there's an option to search for sketch words via a mobile device. Very handy. Maybe you're going into a meeting and maybe you want to sketch something out, but you also want to send it to somebody and you're not going to redraw it. So this is really handy. Remember I talked to you just a few moments ago that the fact that more of the things we do in our life are going to become connected through apps? Well, here's another example, right? It's not just going to happen in computers, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just going to happen for technology professionals. It's going to happen all over in the medical industry uh, for play, for fun. We saw it just a few moments ago with that robot, right? So I think you get what's happening, that our world is evolving into more of these type of devices. And it looks like we're at a time for another break. So you stay right where you are because we will be right back after this short break. Have data that needs to be destroyed? Don't take a chance. Let the experts at the JMore Connection completely destroy and eliminate your data. For over 15 years, JMore has been helping companies all over New Jersey with data security, destruction, and IT needs. 
Call 877-767-5667. Jaymore meets federally mandated data disposal policy. Call 877-767-5667 now. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're with John on the Jaymore Tech Talk Show. Today is December 26th, and you're listening to the Jaymore Tech Talk Show. In fact, the last episode for 2016 in our Season 1 and starting next year on January 5th at 9 p.m., we will start Episode number 1 in Season 2, and we will be at 9 p.m. at night. So don't be looking for us on Monday night at 11 p.m. because we won't be there anymore. But if you did miss our show, you can just anytime stop by 24 hours a day. We're open at jmor.com, and you can click on JMOR Radio and or social, and you can listen to any one of these previously recorded episodes. So we're talking more about technology, and we're talking about how things are evolving, right? Not just about the fact that we've got something that we can just, you know, use like a headset. Uh, we talked about how we are starting to engage the cloud to give us repositories of information um, through an app, which we saw before, but we really didn't see the ability to do it with something as simple and playful as a toy, right? So that's kind of where that was going. And just kind of blowing through a few more. So we talked about the tile tracker. I'm not going to go into that, but that was a huge gift this holiday season. A lot of people were losing things. And not only does it help you actually find things, it actually, if you find what you're missing and you're, you lost your phone, well, you can go to any of these devices and press it. Even if your phone's in silent mode, it'll actually still ring your phone. I think that's really pretty cool. But what's nice is that if you actually lost something and you pick the app, the tile app, and you click on the, the device that you, you, uh, you lost or misplaced, it'll actually send a little bit of a tone uh, uh, out to that tile. So it's not just a... Um, a device that it picks up uh, wirelessly. Um, the Roku Express has been giving a little bit of popularity. Um, it's a gift for those who haven't experienced the joy of owning a smart TV. So if you want to give somebody a smart TV, you can do this for under 30 bucks. It's going to let them have things like Netflix and uh, a Joy TV and lots of the other networks, which you still have to pay for to use. Amazon, if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch movies. So again, you can buy a Roku TV for $300, pretty cheap, $300, $400. But the way you make a Roku TV work is you have to register online before you can even use any of the features of the Roku TV, which is kind of neat. Um, but if you want to get a smart TV, Roku is a very inexpensive smart TV, and you can buy a Roku Express to turn any one of your, I don't say dumb, but any one of your TVs that's not smart or has that enablement, as long as it has a uh, the ability with the uh, the device, you actually can add that uh, right in there. There's a little connection, and it connects right to your TV, and it uh, doesn't even need to have a USB, and it can connect right to your TV, so it can make the TV actually a smart TV. And it has a remote control, too. All right, so Logitech is coming to us more with the G900 Chaos Spectrum Gaming Mouse. Wow, and they're really packing some power into this one. This guy is starting to cost about $135 for a mouse. Can you believe that? $135 for a mouse. But uh, a lot of people had this on their Christmas list because they are very avid gamers, and they wanted to have that dexterity and that extra control, which the G900 definitely gives you. It has all the features in the pro version. It's customizable, um, works with other software. 
and just a great gaming mouse. Also, they have the gaming keyboards, which are really great, too, but I won't get into that. You can program all kinds of different options, and uh, they light up in different colors, and they're really great. Uh, what else can I tell you about? So as I was talking to you, more and more devices are starting to become um, controlled by apps. I think we talked about that. They have a, um, a key for an iPhone. So eliminate the stress of leaving um, a lightning cable behind. So it's a nice gift for owners um, so they can keep, their, keep this on their key ring, pop it into their phone, and then just charge their phone with the regular uh, USB because the lightning is a special connector. And that's like 20 bucks. But again, all these are aftermarket products, ladies and gentlemen, and they're not necessarily directly supported by Apple. So you do want to be careful with them. Um, you know, uh, there is the smart lights and apps, and, and there's so much, and we're going to talk more about this as we get into next year. There's so much stuff out there um, that I could probably could put you on overload here in a few minutes, and I don't want to do that. I mean, we're talking about things as simple as, you know, are the cameras, the digital cameras. I'm not just talking about GoPros you would use to record, let's say, like skiing and stuff like that. I'm talking about things like <clears throat> cameras that you bought that were maybe not even that old from a year or two ago, the new cameras out that just came out within the last six months are now, not only they want you the ability, but they have the ability to do Bluetooth as well. So that means if they're Bluetooth, they can connect to the devices really easily. Wi-Fi, a lot of them have Wi-Fi, so this way they can connect to a network, especially if they're going to be updated, things like that. So you have that ability. In fact, my camera that I got just within a year, year and a half ago, it had Wi-Fi on it. Um, your TVs have Wi-Fi on it. Your game controllers have Wi-Fi on it. Why is it that we have Wi-Fi on it? It's really simple. They need to connect to the Internet. Maybe you need to play someone in a game and to find someone. So it needs to have that, that, that ability. The thing I want to bring to your attention right now is that whether we're talking about cooking, whether we're talking about medical, whether we're talking about having fun, whatever we're talking about, we're going to be talking about collaborative resources, and that large resource or repository is constantly growing on the Internet or the cloud. And that's where companies are starting to build that resource and then make the product that you actually get a dumb product but only work as long as you pay for its service. Pretty ingenious, right? So you're paying pretty much nothing for a product, but your product's going to become completely useless if you don't keep playing a monthly service. Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you had a very Merry Christmas. If you didn't celebrate Christmas, happy, healthy holidays to you. If you're celebrating Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, or whatever holidays you're celebrating, I thank you for dropping by the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show, and I look forward to seeing you next year, January 5th at 9 p.m., so you guys can actually get to sleep at a regular hour and get up early for work or whatever you have to do in the morning. Uh, my name is John. I look forward to seeing you back in New Jersey at our regular scheduled time, uh, new time, at 9 p.m. on January 5th, every Thursday. Also, be sure to catch our new uh, sports show, which will be starting soon uh, next year on Saturdays at 9 um, p.m. to 9.30 for local sports. This is John. I got to run. You have yourself a great holiday and a happy, healthy new year. From all of us at the Jaymore Connection Incorporated, we'd like to thank you for listening tonight and invite you to join us again next Monday at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Be sure to tell your friends and associates about the Jaymore Radio Show and call in live. Be sure to call us early next time so you can get on air too. The Jaymore Connection, we're engineering technology to grow your business, and you can chat with us right now at jmor.com.
or call us at 800-208-5155. Thanks so much for stopping by, and have a great night.